I don't want to die. I want to come back with the answers to death and life. I need you to bring me back. I have no interest in watching you kill yourself. Why are you doing this? To see if there's anything out there beyond death. It is reckless, immoral, and unethical. Today's a good day to die. I'm going next. Nobody is going next. Something is happening to us. I think I'm going crazy. Maybe we opened the door. Something is coming for us. Something I did. Something I did. No, the only way to start this podcast off right is by. As Christopher Lee might do it. Or David Bowie. Or Bob Dylan. Alright, um, what am I doing, you might be asking? Am I having another stroke? I know I've had many strokes on this podcast, which is the wage of cinema. Uh, I'm Jack, and uh, I'm actually joined once again, not by Andrew, but by my wife, Corey. Hello, everyone. Yes, um, we just saw Flatliners, uh, both Flatliners over the past couple of days, um... And what I was just doing was a um, an approximation of what the trailer for the 2017 Flatliners uh, basically tried to sell the movie as. Uh, they had one of their you know spooky, suspenseful trailers that they showed before every single movie that came out in the past five months. We saw this trailer a lot. If it if they had put this trailer on 70 millimeter, we would have seen it before Dunkirk. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reason why we didn't. Um, it was like one of those songs that they put in a trailer that is just so like goofy and meant to be like, oh, this is so mysterious and maybe there's something supernatural going on in this movie. And... No. <sighs> so I have a question because you know I have a podcast, as you know, it's uh, Wages Cinema. Uh, I'm glad you're on it as as my guest, as well as my wife. But um, <laughs> but why do you want to go see the new flat, Flatliners? Because I like kind of chinky horror movies, yes. so. I was hoping it would be an entertaining chinky horror movie. I was kind of attracted to the premise of both this Flatliners and the original because a few years ago, I actually read a really good science fiction novel about near-death experiences called oh, yeah? Passage by Connie oh. Willis. Hmm. Well, the idea behind it, like the central conceit of both the original Flatliners and this Flatliners are interesting. I mean... You know, to have this idea of, like, what if you want to try to cheat death and, you know, everything that comes with that. I mean, that that is a concept that obviously was appealing to Hollywood back in uh, 1990 um, and I guess was appealing enough to do it again. Um, I mean, this actually, it's interesting, though. I just looked up the writer of this movie because uh-huh. I'm going to blow your mind and possibly break your heart a little bit. Okay. So the guy who wrote... Uh, Flatliners, like the original Flatliners, I mean, um, 
is this guy named P- Peter Filardi. Okay. And he doesn't have too many credits, but one of the credits to his name is The Craft. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> he got a lot better at his job between Flatliners and The Craft. Oh, you, you're you're totally discounting before Flatliners. You were on an episode of MacGyver. <laughs> <laughs> now, could he MacGyver his way out of this script? I don't Did think it? so. But then... Yeah. He also adapted Salem's Lot again. This, okay. The one that's with Rob Lowe that maybe two people have seen. And then he has a story by credit for the new Flatliners. So, but anyway, the idea that we wanted to do was, um, because the more times I saw this trailer, I thought to myself, all right, all right, fine, whatever, I'll go see your fucking movie. <laughs> if you just start playing the fucking trailer, it's killing me. Uh, <laughs> that was kind of my reasoning and for it. And that super catchy trailer <laughs> music. Of course, he's not in the film. <laughs> no, it's not. And I take points off the movie for that. The, if the, if the so song the movie has... is a negative point now, once you take <laughs> off points. It needs that. to work its way back up to get points again with us. All right, and for those of you who don't know what Flatliners is, <laughs> the concept is that you have this group of five medical students, and one of them gets the bright idea, hey, you know, like a little, a little bit of like a Frankenstein type thing. Where you have a group of, and one of them thinks, well, you know, the brain doesn't completely lose activity in like the minute or two after death. Like, what's going on there? Maybe we can try to explore, like, what's going on in the brain. You know, you see all those brain waves are happening. And, you know, is there something that maybe we can see? You know, like a lot of people talk about near death experiences, like you see a white light or you see something else out there and so in the original you have Kiefer Sutherland who asks his fellow colleagues played by Julia Roberts Kevin Bacon Oliver Platt people who didn't go on to do anything else um (laughs) unlike the remake oh they're going places Uh, (laughs) um he asks them okay you're gonna help me stop my heart and then after about a minute or so then you're gonna bring me back to life and then you know you'll be able to chart my brain waves Of course, it's 1990, so somebody has a camcorder, and they do it, and Kiefer Sutherland sees some weird shit, and he comes back, and then uh, it becomes like a dick measuring contest, (laughs) where everyone's like, no, I'm going to do now two minutes, no, 2.30, and I'm going to go three minutes, you know, as if you're like running laps, instead it's going to be like, no, we're going to try to outpace each other as far as how long we're going to stay dead. Yeah, so they're inducing near-death experiences in each other, where they're deliberately flatlining and then resuscitating each other. Now, this premise, and this goes for both Flatliners films, You, the suspension of disbelief has to be pretty large well, for well, any of these movies. Well, especially because right away in both films... The, the kind of equipment that the college students are using, they're just able to get a hold of this equipment. I'm sorry, I've worked at universities. The equipment that's usually there, it's hard to squir- squirrel that away without people noticing. <laughs> Although I guess in the original, you might think that maybe they're able to like get the equipment away since their <laughs> university is like <laughs> on like a bomb- bombed out shelter. <laughs> Yeah, 
by far <laughs> the most noteworthy thing to me about the original Flatliners is not the script, not the performances, but... ...that uh, Joel Schumacher was the director of the original Flatliners um, at a time when his reputation um, with a vision... Oh, he has a vision, boy. It's weird. Like, you're involving you're medical students who are, you know, at a residency and they are, you know, they're not quite doctors yet, but they're at that stage where they're taking care of patients. And their hospital, whoever did the production design on this movie is totally cracked out. Did down. all the acid. The person who did the production design on this movie also had the idea in one of, like, in one of the early scripts for Alien 3, the idea was going to be, let's put it all on, like, a wooden planet. <laughs> that was the type of sensibility here, because it's like, you know, usually you picture a hospital, and it's usually pretty you know, nice, clean walls, and it's, like, in a building. Here the hospital is, like, in something between a church, but it's, like, also, it feels very, like, hollowed out. Yeah, this movie, um... I know we talked about it on an earlier podcast, and this entire movie feels like it was the set design, the direction, the lighting, the cinematography, all seems like it was stage managed by some angry, visually impaired clowns. <laughs> like, I feel like Pennywise so, like, set designed this film and directed this it, film. It feels very industrial. Like, you almost picture, like, Eraser head is gonna walk across the uh, like part of the premises or something. It's very basically every scene in this movie is very garish and very um big chunks of this movie are just an eyesore. And well, well, what... well, well, the funny thing to me was that when I found out where this was shot, this was in large part shot in uh, Chicago. And that's when it suddenly clicked what some of it was reminding me of. Not all of it, but a little bit of it. That movie Candyman. Yeah. Which actually used locations really well. So what I said to you while we were watching this is I appreciate that Schumacher was very ambitious. Yeah. And he was very creative in a manner of speaking <laughs> well that's the thing it's never boring well yeah the movie is his movie is never boring but literally every single scene in this movie is nothing but non-stop totally bizarre visual choices the camera moves around quite a bit when it doesn't feel like it has motivation there's a lot of smoke oh yeah anytime they walk down the street there is literally smoke pouring out of manholes, pouring out of windows. There are very bizarre lighting decisions where random scenes are all brown or all um, in one scene that's supposed to be, you know, very emotional. Urine yellow, blue. The lighting decisions are really bizarre. The, and the camera work is really bizarre. And, and the thing is, you would think that the way that most people might approach doing like a Flatliners remake. Uh, I almost said remake, but well, we'll get to that. But if you're approaching this material, I would think that initially you would say to yourself, okay, let's make the scenes that are set in, you know, our main narrative. Let's try and make those a little conventional. That way, when we show the visions and everything that these uh, these people are having when they are 
uh, going into their flatlining stage, um, when they're having their hallucinations, that's when you go buck wild and crazy. But no, this is all like, right away, something feels off about the look of the movie. Yeah, and no one in the movie ever addresses the weirdness. Like, there's never any acknowledgement of any characters in the film of how totally bizarre their universe is and why they do things like... The Kevin Bacon character drives around a car that looks like a World War II army that car. Was, that was the weird part. Like, to me, I think that you were a little more weirded out by some of the production design and locations than I was. I think that because I knew the, the timing of, you know, it was like late 80s, early 90s. That was a time where filmmakers could have that type of setting. <laughs> and I would almost, like, accept it. But yeah, Kevin Bacon's weird army van was weird and then also at one point early in the movie he just exits his building by going out the window (laughs) by rappelling out the window (laughs) well i mean he has like a thing he's climbing down like the wall but like why does he just legs out the door so (coughs) what this movie does is it combines a great deal of ambition with a complete absence of taste or talent. Which is which sums up, at times, a lot of what Joel Schumacher does. But, I mean, I was with this movie, actually, for a while, because, like, yeah, I mean, you, you're what I don't know, like, you try to watch this to see what they do with the premise. I was mostly happy with the performances in it. Um, I mean, Billy Baldwin, certainly, his career didn't quite go anywhere. <laughs> um, but, you know, Julia Roberts is fine. Keith Sutherland really tries to bring it emotionally. Kevin Bacon is great. Um, Oliver Platt, who seems to still have his baby fat on his, on him, is uh, is yeah. is pretty is pretty damn good. Um, but yeah, I think that you talked about though the problem though with this and especially the remake. But again, we'll get to that I guess in a moment. I wasn't quite sure how we were going to structure this, but I think starting with the original, going the remake works best. Um, it's just. Because my, my impression was you start with a little bit of the Frankenstein thing where you have the the people dealing with science who want to have this ambitious plan and they get in way over their heads. And you mix that with a little bit of, I almost thought maybe like Final Destination in a sense. Because if you have these people who are cheating death and, you know, is death going to try to come back and collect on them? Which seemed like it would be the case, but instead what happens is these characters have, like, they're flatlining, and when they come out of it, they are, like, haunted, or or I guess they're, they're kind of chased by these hallucinations of their, of, like, one thing they did in their lives that was so mm-hmm. terrible, like, if they wronged someone, or, or caused somebody's death. And I don't know, like, it... It makes it kind of interesting, but they don't go far enough with... Like, they they give one plot line more emphasis than another. Yeah, so I think the original Flatliners had a lot of visual ambition, but honestly, I didn't find the script very ambitious. It felt... It felt... Whereas the direction felt overcooked, the script felt like it was a little undercooked, which is weird because it's almost two hours long. Yeah, and another thing, and this is true for both the original and the remake, Mm -hmm. the film, um, 
is a little internally inconsistent about mm. what these various characters are experiencing because at times the movie makes it seem like they are hallucinating. So they have experiences that are clearly hallucinations where they are seeing things that are not actually there. But then at other times, these hallucinations have physical power. At times, what they're seeing really is there. So yeah. the movie, both the original and the remake, are not clear about under what conditions is this just what they're hallucinating. They, they, pay, they play fast and loose with the rules. Yeah, there's no real consistent world building or rule making because... The mo both movies basically take the attitude that the characters are hallucinating and they are being haunted by real supernatural yeah, creatures. Yeah, because, like, Kiefer Sutherland gets the shit beat out of him by, like, a little kid that's, that's constantly after him from, like, his childhood. <laughs> and it's like, okay, yeah, oh, so you can get hurt by, like, the things that are there, but then there are other times where it seems like, oh, you're just seeing visions of things that aren't there. How is that manifestly possible? I mean, I know we gotta try to suspend our disbelief for something that's, like, a sci-fi... Uh, sci basically, this is, I guess, science fiction with a bit of horror to it, but they could have tried a little bit more with that. Even science fiction and fantasy and horror should have rules. There yeah. should be established rules. Yeah, like it like when we, you know, we were just talking about it. You know, that 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 story has some pretty clearly defined rules that, you know, both the movie and the book follow pretty well. Yeah. But the, but Flatliners plays a little too fast and loose with it. Um it also uh it also is a little too self-contained, I feel like, because nobody ever finds out about it except for these five people, which yeah. seems really unbelievable to me, that nothing comes out of it, and, like, you know, you don't wonder, like, wouldn't somebody ask about, hey, where's that uh, extra equipment that we had lying around that we're just keeping stashed in this, like, <laughs> bombed-out shelter. In this bombed-out cathedral. <laughs> that looks like it's left over from World War II <laughs> or something. I I'm not kidding. The production design on this movie, it's just weird. I want to know what the decision-making yeah. was behind the production design on this movie. It's bonkers. And... I frankly don't think the original Flatliners is a very good film. I don't think it's very well written. Joel Schumacher has horrible taste and but it's kind of visually it's bonkers. The script is kind of lazy, but it's worth watching even though it's not very good just for like how weird it is. If you like these, if you also, if you like these actors, I mean, they're not sleepwalking through it. They're, they're <laughs> certainly trying. Um, a young Hope Davis pops up yeah. um, in Billy Baldwin's uh, plot line. That was probably one of the things that disappointed me with the movie the most, is that you have this potential in his storyline where Billy Baldwin is like, he, his character is like a, uh, you know, a lot of these characters are very flawed people, to say yeah, the least. Yeah, to put it mildly. Um, <clears throat> which I guess is by design, because if you had people who are like squeaky clean, you couldn't get them to feel guilty about anything. But with Billy Baldwin, he plays a character that 
is a little bit of a is he a, a tiny bit of the character from Sex Lies and Videotape, where James Spader kind of video, almost has like a fetish for videotaping like the women he's with. Which someday I'll show you that movie because that is that that movie I think you would really like, but um, but in this he he holds on to videotapes of all these women that he's had sex with, and so when after he goes into flatlining mode, he keeps seeing the women like pop up and come back at him and like come kind of haunting him that way, um, but they could have gone more into the fact that he is like a sexist creep. And he, they don't really explore that at all. They mostly leave things to Kevin Bacon's storyline and Keeper Sutherland, and I guess Julie Roberts too. But if they had done a little better job of evening it out, maybe the direct, maybe Schumacher thought Baldwin just wasn't as good an actor. <laughs> but yeah, that seemed like wasted potential. As far as if you really want to explore, like the. Uh, who these characters are and what they're doing to other people. Like, like that just felt a little too like left aside. Um, but, and also uh, again, I don't know if anybody would care. Cause again, this movie's been out for like 27 years. I'm just going to talk about the ending. Yeah, we're I'm gonna... not even going to get into spoil. You, all right. Spoilers. If you don't want to listen to the ending of Flatliners 1990, go ahead, yeah. go away. I'm not, I don't even know if I'm going to put a spoiler warning this time. We um, both have a significant beef with the ending of this film. Yeah, because what happens is Kiefer Sutherland um, is so freaked out by um, by by the by the little kid that keeps following him around and hurting him that um, his way of ma- going to make he's going to make amends. Like that's what happens in the second half of the movies. Like Kevin Bacon tries to make amends. Julia Roberts. She her father died, so she, it's hard for her to do that. So she just kind of has a heart to heart with him, <laughs> like the the dead father thing. But Keith Sutherland decides I'm gonna just go under again, and you think, oh, okay, so he's really dead this time. Like you know, the, the characters can't bring him back like they did before. No, nope. <laughs> it is absolute BS <laughs> that none of these characters die. No character dies over the course of a film, which is absolute rubbish, garbage. Well, here's why. Well, it's tough though to now because now that I've seen the remake, the remake almost feels like it refutes your that like that thing that it's always garbage when that happens. Um, but the problem is like either way, it doesn't work if you have no characters that die. It does. It's it's crap. If you have one character that dies, it's it it's still, still crap. Bad. But but that's but it's bad for another reason. And again, we'll get into that. Yeah. My problem is that like by the it, this comes at the end of the movie, and it feels like there should be some consequence for all yeah. the things that they've gone through, where they've kind of toyed with existence, literally. Yeah, the movie ultimately is way too safe and way too tame. It feels like a Hollywood ending. Yeah, so you have this idea that you're playing with death and you're playing God, and yet no character really suffers. No. Any permanent consequences. Not a bit. Like, everybody kind of can just go on with their lives and act like, you know, and like, oh, we've already chased all of our, you know, everything to the side and everything's fine now. No, that, 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 that... 
that leaves things like, oh, I can just leave the theater now and not have to think about the movie anymore. Yeah. This movie needed a body count. It really did. I know that you, you, you are very hot about that sometimes with horror movies, too. Yeah. <laughs> I am. Well, also because this was rated R as well. This, I was seriously rated R. The original Flatliners? Yeah. Yeah. You don't remember, like, cursing and, and stuff like Let that? Let me tell you, the original Flatliners does not play like a rated R film at all. There is... I, I, it, felt like a, it felt like a rated there R There is... Not only does no one die, but there's not a lot of gore... There's not really a lot of violence. There's no explicit... There's a little bit of violence. Don't you remember the scene where, like, Kiefer Sutherland fights off a kid with, oh, like, yeah. a bat? <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland gets beaten up by a tiny child <laughs> multiple times over the course of this film. Uh, yeah, moments like that were kind of fun to watch. I mean, there are a couple of really goofy moments in the original Flatliners that yeah. make it pretty entertaining, even though, ultimately... You know, is it a good movie? No, but it is an interesting movie. And that is why I will give the original Flatliners. Yeah. If you decide to check it out, you will have something that people got together. Not all of their ideas were right, but they had an original con- original-ish concept. I say original-ish because, I mean, you could also say that this is this movie comes out on the heels of years of Nightmare on Elm Street movies where also characters are kind of haunted in their waking state by, you know, things when they're... Yeah, I would call the original Flatliners an intriguing failure. I don't think it's very good. Um, As I mentioned, the script is undercooked and the direction is overcooked. Yeah, but the actors are appealing enough for me that I was able to to get through it. I mean, if I was like... If I was a lot younger, like if you cut my age right now in half... Uh-huh. <laughs> like half a lifetime ago if i watched this i'd be like that eh, was all right yeah, but now too. but i i'm a little more critical of it now especially the ending the ending i felt like felt like a ripoff but up until the ending i probably liked it a tiny bit more than you did even with the problems that the movie has now all of this said <laughs> this movie is like the exorcist compared to the remake it's citizen kane compared to the remake well you always jump to the citizen kane comparison i was trying to be a little more clever this time (laughs) not everything can be citizen kane genre specific yeah um this remake was stupid oh god (laughs) (laughs) you want like a one-line review of this movie flatliers is stupid bye-bye Play exit music for Wager Cinema. Um, you said on Letterboxd, more like stupid liners. Yes, I did. I just posted my review there. Although that doesn't quite make sense, though, because if something flatlines, that means it's like, you know, there's nothing, it's dead. Do you know what flatlined from minute one? This movie. Hey, oh. Do I know you? You don't know jack shit. Burt White, Nero Dick, Cogbike, Jagoff, Limpress. Coral, banana breath, shit bird, bird turn turn face, kiss that brown nose, macho wimp, limp dick, bar face, turn merchant. What's the matter gonna cry? Gonna cry, baby daddy. Cry, cry, cry. Shit face, rat turn ass licking son of a bitch. I know you, don't I? Oh. <laughs>
Are you sure you didn't write a review on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> <laughs> that is making this movie 0% right now? Oh, yeah. Um, now, that's a Metacritic, it has a 31, I should say. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's, you might say sometimes, well, Rotten Tomatoes isn't accurate. No, this movie is garbage. It is so bad. And I have to say, unlike the original Flatliners, which is also not a very good film, the remake of Flatliners is terrible in an, not in a distinctive way. This is, what's interesting is you have a remake here from Sony. And Sony has a pretty terrible reputation right now on the whole. Like, once in a while, they might put out now a good movie. Like, uh, especially, like, they, through TriStar this summer, you know, they had Baby Driver. But, you know, but that was through TriStar. Like, Columbia is another matter. Columbia is the one, that are, are the ones that put out Ghostbusters and Passengers and all these movies that are really in trouble. And... The difference, though, between something like this and the Ghostbusters remake was... The problem there was... I mean, that was an unnecessary remake in a different way. Like, that was an unnecessary remake where... The original source was so good... That it's like, what are you trying to do with this new movie? Whereas... You could also say this movie was unnecessary to remake... But... Unlike a lot of movies that get remade... This was actually drawing from... A source that wasn't that good. Yeah. You could have had someone with like a vision, and you could have had someone take this concept, get some good writers together, and you know maybe mix it up a little bit. Like, you know, it does it have to be the exact same concept? No. Maybe you could try to, you know, what, maybe it's not. What if they weren't medical students? What if they were like actual doctors or? Or maybe uh, you took it in another part of the country, or I, I don't know what they could have done, but what they did, oh god! Oh my god, it was so. <coughs> this so also bad. Uh, now this comes from a director who I didn't really have too much of an opinion one way or another. This guy, and he has a weird name. His name is uh, I hope I pronounce this right. It's Niles Arden Oplev. He doesn't deserve correct pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> After what he did to us. <laughs> Harsh. Um, but uh, he was the director of the Swedish Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Which was which, which a good movie. Yeah. And, and I remember you even saying you liked that one more than the David yeah, Fincher. Yeah, which, which was crazy to me. I actually prefer the Swedish Girl with the Dragon Tattoo over the David Fincher Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And David Fincher is a great director and a real artist. So the fact that I liked this guy's, a movie that this guy made more than a David Fincher movie, chills the marrow in my bones. Do you want to take it back? No, I mean... <laughs> I'm sorry, David Lynch. I didn't mean, I, I, not David Lynch, David Fincher. I'm sorry I, I, I said that about your movie. So here's the thing about this this movie. Like, in the original Flatliners, the characters weren't terribly likable, but I felt like the actors, I felt like, gave it, gave them a little bit more presence. Uh-huh. In this, you, with the exception of Ellen Page and Diego Luna, there's no, but th- this cast could have been anybody. And it, it they're so interchangeable personality-wise, 
and it, it's just like, oh, it's so dull. Yeah, that's it's so dull good. and stupid. A bad. It's it's it, at times incredibly stupid, and at other times just like, get on with it. Yeah, this movie is. It feels incredibly long. Yeah. I mean, it's not. It's not especially. No, long, well, but... well, actually, I'm looking up the runtime. This was an hour and fifty minutes. No, it <laughs> did. A movie like this does not need to be an hour and fifty minutes. The problem is, this movie's aggressively stupid, and it has absolutely no personality whatsoever. It yeah. feels like. It was produced on an assembly line. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. <laughs> this feels so, like, without personality. That's why, like... And even when it should have personality, like, when, again, the, these characters put themselves under, um, you know, they're, they're dead, and they're having these visions, the visions parts were not interesting. Yeah, the visions are totally boring. They are totally literal. So, except for... Ellen Page's first vision, well, I guess she only really has the one. Ellen Page's vision, you know, she's in, like, a blue light that's surrounded by, like, little glowing white balls. But beyond that, all the other visions are totally literal. So the characters just witness themselves doing things. They go, like, quickly across, like, a field or... Or some type of place. Or they're stuck underwater, or they're... Basically, the visions are either flashbacks to the person that they wronged, mm -hmm. who will haunt them when they get out of yeah. um, the vision states. But the visions are very literal, not imaginative, not creative. Yeah. And when they are not having the visions... There is not one single recognizable moment of humanity in this No, film. all the characters suck. All the characters are self-involved assholes. Um, I mean, you could try to say Diego Luna tries to be the moral upstanding character. In a way, he's kind of like the Oliver Platt of the movie, which if you're going to get an Oliver Platt type character, get someone like Oliver Platt. Don't get Diego yeah. Luna, who I will say he's not as annoying here as he was in Milk. Yeah, I have a little vendetta you do. against Diego Luna because... He's very cruel. He'd be like, Cody, Cody, por favor. <laughs> because I found Diego Luna incredibly obnoxious in the film Milk, so I've always kind of had it out for him as an actor yeah. ever since then. But to be honest, I don't... I can't even analyze these performances as being good or bad. They're well, just... Well here's, well, here's what I would say, though. And I guess you could say, well, here's we go when we go into spoilers, but I, I don't give a shit. Like, if, you, if you're going to see Flatliners and you're worried about me spoiling the movie for you, you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I, all right, here's a minor spoiler warning. If you don't want to be spoiled, jump ahead like a minute or two into this podcast. Okay, so... The movie, I maybe they tried to correct one thing, like they heard you talking like retroactively or something. I don't know how they. Would have I done watched that. the original Flatliners yesterday, so sometime between yesterday and today, they heard me talking and adjusted the film accordingly. <laughs> Even though the movie's already been out. Exactly. Um, 
No, Ellen Page dies about two-thirds of the way into the movie, and she actually is dead. Like, they don't try to bring her back. Dead for real. She She's dead for real. Like, she falls off of a building or, or a ledge or something, um, and that's it. The problem, though, is that then you're left with the rest of the characters for what seems like five hours. <laughs> even oh though God. even though it's only like probably like half an hour of screen time, it feels so long. And I think the problem is Ellen Page is the one who has the most personality and charm in this movie. And everyone else, like, I didn't know who these actors were. You told me... Um, this one actress, Nina Dobrev, was on yeah. the, like the Vampire Diaries. I actually knew who Nina Dobrev was because I watched the Vampire Diaries for four seasons. So yeah, there are a couple of other actors uh, actors here who I don't I don't know who they are really. I mean, there's this one actress uh, who's part of like the group of these five medical students, Kiersey Clemens, who uh, oh wow, she was in Dope. I like that movie. Oh, oh that's that's that, that's that makes well her defining characteristic is she has an overbearing mother yeah she has an overbearing mother and her big crime was she pulled an unfriended uh <laughs> and like spread around naked pics with like a girl in high school you know if that's the worst thing that's happened in your life i mean that still makes you not a very good person but that you're got off pretty well well this is kind of paint-by-numbers, lazy screenwriting, where each character's given exactly one significant life experience, one personality trait. Yeah, you know, if it... See, that's the thing. Like, if I were writing this script, I mean, maybe it might seem like it's a tough thing to get by in a studio sci-fi horror movie, but maybe give them more than one thing wrong they've done in their lives. Like, there's one character in this movie who's one of the medical students, this guy who, um, his thing is that he knocked up, a, like, a girl that he used to know years ago, and he's, like, kind of, uh, he keeps being haunted by, like, the baby that must have been, like, aborted or something, or killed. A guy like that has done other things in his life. Yeah. He didn't do just that thing. He, he's done other bad things as well. Like, and also the other thing too, these characters are like medical students, like a top medical school. They act like teenagers. They are so stupid. They don't understand very basic things about medical procedure. Medical procedure, but also like, there's that whole scene where they, uh, well, also just procedures in general. So for example, Ellen Page you know, falls off the building and dies. And one of the, the character, one of the characters is like, okay, I'm going to need to go back to her apartment and try to get her phone. She fell off a building. That's now in the possession of the police. Cause they're investigating her death. Why would her, why would they leave the phone there? Why would you go back to the apartment while they're probably still there? We are told in the very beginning of the film that these characters are advanced enough in their studies that they are actively, actively practicing medicine. They, they work on patients. They do medical work. And they don't understand basic things about, like, how to inject drugs. <laughs> I whispered to you at one point, this movie is like stupid ER. <laughs> they literally don't know how to, like, start an IV. 
Yeah, they don't know how to start. Like, because the first time, like, Ellen Page is the Keith or Sutherland character, you could say, up to a point, because she's the one that, uh, <coughs> excuse me, um, uh, she's the one who is the first one to go under. Like, she's the first one to say, you know, stop my heart and bring me back. And you, like, originally in the, in, like, they're in, like, their secret facility room in the basement of their school, and... There are only three of the characters there. There's Ellen Page, there's uh, Kiersey Clemens, and uh, the guy. The James. guy. I, I, the guy who's not Diego Luna. That's generic generic white guy who's probably been in like ten costume dramas in the BBC. <laughs> and I don't know, he is British. Um, but like, orig- so it's originally just the two of them watching over Ellen Page and they need to bring her back. They don't know what the hell they're doing. Like, she has to text Yoga Luna, who's in another part of the hospital, to come down. Like, screenwriter guy, why don't you have all five of your characters in the basement? That was something that made sense in the original. Have all of your characters there at once. Don't have, like, them trickle down as they're trying to revive the, like, your character. I also feel like this movie was very careless in its editing and seemed to be missing scenes. Yeah. So there's yeah. a scene where the generic white guy is being attacked by the ghost spirit whatever of the woman who he impregnated then abandoned yes so we're in a scene where he lives on a houseboat because of course where he falls off the boat is in the water he's swimming in the water he puts his hand up on the dock to pull himself out of the Mm -hmm. water the ghost woman sticks a knife through his hand, he screams, and then we cut immediately (laughs) to four characters, the four characters sitting at a table talking to each other. Yeah. Without any acknowledgement of what has happened. Well, no, then he, like, they go, they're watching, they're watching the video of of her, of Elm Page, like, talking to them, like, her goodbye video. And, like... Why do you lead with that? It felt like they cut a scene out of the movie, and it's really jarring. And who knows? Like, this (laughs) seems like the kind of movie that probably got, like, test screened to hell. And remember when they were going to do a jump scare, and then they just didn't? (laughs) Yeah! Oh, my God, you just gave me a flashback. Yeah, there's a moment where there's, like... You have, like, the setup where the character is in a room by herself. She goes to, like, one side of the room. And it seems like there's, like, right behind her is, like, the, like, ghost dude character. I I forget almost now. Like, we saw this movie a couple hours ago. No, it was the generic frat boy again. It was. Okay. Yeah. But they don't do anything with it. You you expect, like, all of a sudden, like, the audience to be like, ooh. But No. The tension is cut immediately because they don't do anything with him. I barely noticed him in the shot. I probably might have not had I not. Oh, been I should attention. mention there is nothing even remotely, remotely, remotely scary about this film. No, th- this is like th- this is like the Olive Garden of horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's like getting one of their breadsticks, and it's like. Oh, God, this needs some marinara it's sauce. It's the dumpster behind the Olive Garden. <laughs> what is Discount Olive Garden? That's this movie. Golden Corral. Ah! 
Yeah. We've actually never been to Golden Corral. They don't have them in our no, geographic no, no. region. But uh, no, it's just yeah. I mean, they try to melt. Oh, no, it's Cece's Pizza. That's the generic. It's Olive it's Art. that. Also, it's that PG thirteen horror too, where they try to do like lame ass scares, like the 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 Vampire Diaries chick constantly keeps seeing the word murderer across yeah, the thing. The I'm sorry, this is 2017. You gotta bump up your game with that. The scares are so tame. I have long been on record that the rise to prominence of PG-13 horror has completely killed the genre. Mm-hmm. And it's terrible, and I hate it. Now, I, I want to make it clear, I didn't... Well... I'd heard about the 0% Rotten Tomato ratings. I'd seen a couple of blurbs. But, I mean, like, I don't go into any movie being like, oh, I'm so going to hate this. Well, I mean, there are, I'm sure there are exceptions. But, um, but like, I tried to go into this hoping, like, okay, well, maybe, maybe there will be something surprising here. Maybe I'll find something in the movie that will make it interesting and no i think like right now you have like your fingers <laughs> up against your head like you want to kill yourself and i think that was our emotion by the end of this when i was when the credits started to roll i actually went boo <laughs> like i was homer simpson at this movie yeah when i go see a movie like <coughs> flatliners i set a real i don't set a high bar all i want is to be entertained honestly that's all if a movie's relatively entertaining, I'm willing to forgive it a lot. Yeah, and... I mean, we've seen horror movies that, you know, they might not have, like, the most craft ever, but, you know, you could tell that they're trying. Like, that movie last year, Lights Out, yeah. which, you know, wasn't, you know, it wasn't great, but, you know, that you could tell that there were people behind it who were, you know, trying to craft something that could potentially ha be scary or have some sequences that would pop yeah, out. Yeah, Lights Out, I actually thought was pretty good, even though it even though it's pretty much a jump scare but factory. This is, this is a movie for, like, really young, like, 11 and 12-year-olds who want to be like, ooh, ooh, you heard about this movie where people stop their hearts and yeah, they come it back? it doesn't have jump scares. It doesn't have non-jump scares. It has nothing. It's totally bloodless. It, it, and then, like, but the problem is, though, again, though, there, there are so many stupid things in this movie that are, like, you're supposed to be, like, top medical students who are about to go out and we're told in the movie have, like, careers where you're paid, like, lots of money. Yeah. There's one sequence in this where the characters, like, they, they realize, because, like, one, they have, one of the characters does their flatline thing. And you think they're all done, and the the girl who has the over-domineering mother, somehow she got out of the house. We never saw that happen, but... Yeah. Alright, because like, she's like kind of told by her mom, you're staying at home tonight. You're not going to go do whatever it is you're doing. You're going to study and do work with me. And they're like, okay, so I guess she's not showing up to this. So they do flatlining on, uh, on Vampire Diaries Chick. They're up on the roof, and all of a sudden, she just appears. It's like, okay, I gotta do flatlining. Come on, we gotta do this. And they're like, no, no, the, the, we only have like twenty minutes. The guards are, people are gonna show up, and they're like, no, no, no. We, I know I'm explaining this like Matthew Catania. I can't help it. But like, so they go down to the basement, they flatline her, and surprise, surprise, these custodians are coming. So what does one guy do? I'm gonna turn on the fire alarm, yeah. and he does that. They somehow magically revive the girl in enough time that they get out, they go into the parking lot. Then it becomes like a goofy 
action movie for a minute or they two. They joyride. They 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 get out of like they somehow manage to escape like the security guards out of this parking garage, and they get onto the road, and they're yeah they're they're joyride they're 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 driving through the streets like they're like fucking teenagers. Also, they have multiple dance parties <coughs> in this film. Multiple dance parties. Oh my god. Now, oh my god. I think at one point I went to the bathroom just because like. This seems like a good spot. Now, to I know to you mentioned Final Destination while talking about the original Flatliners, but to me, the Flatliners remake was a lot more Final Destination esque to me. Now, just to give you a sense of where I'm coming from, I like the Final Destination movies. I've seen every one of them, I like them. So, that I, like the, I like the series too. That just goes to show. You don't have to be an arty horror movie to impress me. You don't have to be the Babadook for me to like you. I'm fine with, um, let's just say, unpretentious horror movies that don't try to do very much and just, you know, come up with some good scares, some good kills. I'm fine with that. This, to me, felt like children's television <laughs> because there were individual scenes where in the final destination films you have intricate setups to all the kills and most of most scenes in a final destination film are watching a rube goldberg machine build itself piece by piece over the course of several minutes just in time to slice and dice a co-ed so there are scenes that play like this in um the remake of flatliners but instead of watching a really cool death scene build up and then actually kill someone yeah you just see one or two things happen with no blood, no death, no anything. The, the, the director of this movie, what was going through his head? At least Joel Schumacher had some kind of vision. It might have been a little boneheaded. <laughs> it might have been a little bit Looney Tunes, but he had something. This guy, Oprev, or whatever his name is, he, he, he didn't know what to do with this. I mean, the screenwriter, too, really screwed up, too. Um, and who knows, maybe the studio, maybe this project started with really great intentions. Like I looked up the writer of the, of the remake and like the, I mean the screenplay writer, and it was a guy who wrote a movie I liked a lot a few years ago called Source Code, which was a really creative, uh, like movie dealing with time. Is that and, the Jake Gyllenhaal movie where he's on the train? Uh, yeah. And, and Forrest Whitaker, yeah. I think was in it and Jeffrey Wright. That was an excellent movie. And yet. Who knows, at some stage in this, it just got so watered down. Head like, that's... injury? <laughs> well, the, yeah, maybe that was it. Um, and it's like, the, oh, by the way, one other thing I should mention, Kiefer Sutherland is in the remake. Yeah. Because, paycheck, I guess. I almost thought for a moment, were they going to try to maybe make this like, one of those movies where even though it's called Flatliners, it's technically Flatliners 2. Yeah, I was wondering 
that as well because the Keith or Sutherland character is crippled. Like, he walks with a limp and a cane. Yeah. And he looks kind of rough in the film. Like, he has white hair. He's crippled. So I wondered that, too, if there was going to be a moment where the film acknowledged he's playing the same character. I don't think they did. But no, they never did. I thought maybe for a moment I missed it. But no, they, they it's like... Maybe that was another scene that got lost. Maybe that was something at a test screening where characters like, I didn't get that. I don't know what you're trying to yeah, so because I, I haven't seen the original. There's this scene where the key for the key for Southern character, who's their crusty professor, pulls them aside. He, he's their he's their discount house. <laughs> <laughs> And he tells them, like, I know you're hiding something. And tell me if you're hiding something. And I thought maybe this is where he would say, I used to do stuff like this 25 years ago, and look where it got me. That would have made... that If they had gone that route, I might have almost forgiven a lot of the flaws of this movie. But they don't. He, he says that. He has that moment where he's like, you're not trying to hide something. And then, like, he exits the room as if it's supposed to be that moment where, like, a character stops him and says, Professor, Professor! And then he turns around and does, like, the, uh? He's like, yes, we, we have been hiding from you. But no, they don't do that. He just leaves, and that's the last we see of him in the movie. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Kiefer Sutherland got paid, I guess. This movie is just a void. There's really nothing going on. It is nothing going for it. It's completely bland. And unfortunately, I see a lot of boring, bland horror movies. And this is very much in the mold of something like The Darkness, a totally bland Kevin Bacon horror movie we saw. Yeah. Was that last year or two Yeah, years no, it was ago? last year. You barely remember that. Or like Shut In. At least, actually, no, Shut In was worse because that had really horrible decisions. This, it's just like, they, it's just going through all the motions. And even when... They try to inject the same thing with the characters, like, trying to make up for their past uh, things that they've done. That is also very weak sauce. Like, that, yeah. you know, it, if you're not going to have somebody who can do a good suspense sequence or horror sequence, who knows how to do build-up and payoff, then get somebody who knows how to direct actors in a dramatic way. Yeah. This seems like... It's like Invasion of the Pod People or something. Yeah, this doesn't... A movie like this doesn't have to be a horror movie. If you could actually write a real sophisticated movie, you could just make it like a straight-up drama. Like a character study. Yeah, almost. imagine if like this was like done by Alexander Payne. Like We just <laughs> saw the trailer for that movie, uh, Downsize, or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, where, where it's like, what happens when you're really little in society? His take on Flatliners, <laughs> now I want to see that. Yeah. But yeah, so, final thoughts about these movies? My final thoughts. The original Flatliners, 1990, is kind of, eh, meh. Flatliners, the remake, is bleh. I, I was, and I, I kept on having that thing where I wished uh, watching the remake. Yeah, as I said, my final thoughts are... If you're really curious, the rem the original movie isn't terrible, um, especially if you like the actors. They, they have a lot of charisma, and 
you know, they're back in their, their heyday. And, you know, especially Julia Roberts is quite good in that. Her um, hair is absolutely glorious. Yes, it is. There, there's some great hair in the original oh, Flatliners. Yeah. I was going to say, everyone has an amazing haircut in the original Flatliners. It's so, like, gloriously poofy. I want a little bit of their DNA for my hair. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Bacon <coughs> is rocking a choice mullet. Keebler Sutherland, I don't know if he's a full-on mullet, but his hair is ridiculous. Oliver Platt's got this lustrous mane. Julia Roth, the hair in the original <laughs> Flatliners. Total hair goals. Yeah. Uh, the hair in the remake, not not so much. Um, not noteworthy. Yeah. The remake, it just tried my patience. If I was watching it home, I would have at least been able to mock the movie a little bit more yeah. openly. Um it was funny. One last thing I'll leave on. This was like the this was a screening experience where I was just a little frustrated the whole time because there were there were a couple of people behind us who were openly throughout the whole movie talking, and a lot of times they were just talking at regular volume. Um, They're like a couple, and at, at first I'm like, "Do I am I going to say something to them? I really should just tell them to shush up." And that suddenly dawned on me, Jack, you're at Flatliners. <laughs> You're going to tell someone to shut up so that you can pay attention to this movie that is basically like watching paint dry on grass growing blue <laughs> sky leaving the same Yeah, we want to emphasize the Flatliners remake is not bad in a fun way. There, there, I would say there are a couple of parts that are funny in a bad way. Like there, there were a couple of parts where I was chuckling to myself at like some of the ridiculousness of the film but, the but it's not part, enough it's not it's parts very boring it's not enough to sustain a viewing like as for like a really great fun bad movie night like yeah. this isn't uh god what's a fun bad movie they could watch instead like a fun bad horror movie uh it's like it's hard to think of one right now yeah because i feel like a lot of bad horror movies these days are just lazy yeah a lot of it is just you could see the studio notes being ticked yeah, off it's paint by numbers you don't have i feel like to get a fun bad movie you need a specific distinctive vision yeah from someone who really fancies himself an auteur he's just not talented they needed like a guy who is like a really crazy up and coming uh, um, like music video director like they used to have. Like I brought this up when we watched the original, like the movie The Cell, where yeah. that movie had really wild uh, hallucination, surreal sequences. You need, you know, what would have been great for this. You get the guy from Holy Motors. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it might have not made much sense, but it would have been something. Yeah, unfortunately... So go watch Holy Motors instead. There's my review. Movies like this are an assembly line product where everyone knows that what they're doing is no different than putting together a hamburger at McDonald's. This is basically... Oh, you really like that uh, that bowl of uh, blueberry cereal that you used to have? <laughs> well, here's another bowl. And just pay no attention to those like wood shavings that you shouldn't be eating. <laughs> So anyway, if you have any thoughts about either Flatliners movie uh, um, or the hair that actors have in the movie, you can send an email to wagescinema at gmail.com. Um, Corey can be found online, I guess. I mean, she's just an occasional guest right now. Um, when we come back next time, we will have a proper episode that isn't me trying to experiment with doing a versus of two movies that aren't very good. 
But, hey, we got to try these things sometimes here at the Wage of Cinema. We certainly paid some wages today. <laughs> and with that, I'm Jack. And I'm Corey. And the Wages of Cinema is... I should put like a hip hop beat for that. <laughs> <laughs>